0: Open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. I turned to my son on Wednesday afternoon, and I said to him, I said, well, this is a new experience. And what we had just done is swiped a key card and taken an elevator up to a room, and the door opened right to our suite. And uh, I'm not used to living in a lifestyle where elevators go directly to my room. Peter, is there a bit of a ring in the house? Okay, can we turn it down just a little bit? Thanks, Peter. Um, my son's boss was able to uh, get this place at North Star Village. And we were snowboarding for the day. And we got to stay in this very luxurious uh, place for a single night and, um, and kind of live the good life for an evening. It was quite fun, quite spectacular. Uh, Instead of driving back to El Dorado Hills for two hours and then up the next day for two hours, we were sitting in a hot tub, relaxing our sore muscles. So it was really, really good. I want you to think of something for a minute. The good life. Whenever I say the good life or whenever anyone says the good life, you have some perception. Can you bring up that first screen? Go back one, please. Um, Someone, uh, you have something in mind of what the good life is all about, right? Everyone does. In fact, I think if you ask a hundred people, what is the good life? they would give you a hundred different answers, right? As a Christian, the good life ought ought to change from what it was before you were a Christian. In other words, the Holy Spirit giving you insight of who you are, how you were made, what this world's all about, what things are really like, changes our mindset of what the good life is all about. It becomes the good eternal life, And when Jesus said these words, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. So he gives us the full life. And when we talk about eternal life or full life, it's not just duration of life that's given to us, it's quality of life. That we have a whole new definition of what the good life is because of what Jesus has gifted to us. Here's the beautiful thing that we're going to talk about today it's not just life for ourselves to enjoy or hoard. It's a good life for others to enjoy as well. It's actually a good life to share with other people. So last week we talked about uh, Acts chapter two, Peter's sermon, and the idea that we are to share the good news. That's what we see with Peter. Um, so, it, it means that uh, we don't just like the good news. We don't just comment on the good news. We don't just say, I subscribe to the good news as a Christian. We are called and mandated to share the good news. Today, we're talking about sharing the good life. And sharing the good life is this picture of community that we read in Acts chapter 2. Now, just like last week, the Spirit is the one who enables us to share the good news. Remember, Peter. Peter, weeks ago, was denying Jesus Christ, and a few weeks later, he is the bold spokesman telling the very people who killed Jesus, you killed God. You got it wrong. You killed God. Repent. That's bold. That's courageous preaching of the good news. And what we see is we see a miraculous thing happen where not only is Peter changed, but the hearts of 3,000 people are changed in a single sermon. Repenting and receiving Jesus Christ. So, the same spirit that allows us and empowers us to share the good news empowers us to share the good life. It's not just um, good life that we share with other people, but it's that we get to share in the good life of Jesus Christ. I had a youth ministry professor named Les Christie, and Les was an amazing guy, and he used to always say this this stood out with me he used to say, what you win them with is what you win them to. What you win them with is what you win them to. So it was a caution against free pizza youth events. Now, free pizza youth events are not a bad thing, right? We actually just had a game night in here. Uh, We actually didn't make it free, did we, Lucas? We charged five bucks. There we go. Um, Free pizza youth events aren't bad. But if you win people to a church, to a gathering with free pizza and giveaways, guess what? People will come as long as the free pizza and giveaways are going on. What happens when you take them away? The people disperse, right? So it's the idea of attractional evangelism. If we just have a good enough program here, good enough musicians, a good enough speaker, a smoke machine, zip lines once in a while, like just that right number of zip lines, then we could really draw a crowd and keep people. But the problem is, once the show's over, um, I love that, Ellie, that was a great mental picture of having a faith that's, that's in, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep, right? It's that if, if we aren't tickled or we aren't you know, sort of uh, wowed that week, then we'll start trickling elsewhere. So let me show you in Acts chapter 2 as we read this, that you're going to see attractional evangelism that is so much more costly than free pizza and giveaways, Way more costly. In fact, so costly, I want you to hear this really clearly. You cannot accomplish it apart from the Spirit's power. If you are leaning on the flesh, it will go away. It will sour over time. We are wired for, hardwired for community with God and then being in right relationship with other people. If you shortchange community with God and go right to community with other people, you'll be doing it in your own power and it will sour over time. So, um, before we read the passage, what I want to tell you is this. If you've been through our membership class, you will have seen this text very prominently in our membership class. Here's why. Much of how we function as a church comes from um, some of these early Book of Acts kinds of things. We, We take what Jesus said to be doing, kind of the Great Commission, make disciples, as was already alluded to, And then we look at the early church and say, what are some patterns that we should be grabbing towards? So I want to say up front, they're not happening perfectly, but we are steering towards some things that we're going to see here. There's a series, you could go on our website anytime and go back and hear this, but we use this term heading. And it's the idea of setting a heading, setting a direction, and and knowing where we're going, which by definition means we know where we're not going. And some of the things that we're sort of going after um, are are these three words, simple, family, and gifts. And the sermon kind of unpacks what we're talking about with that. But some of what we're talking about comes right from this um, text that we're looking at this morning. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, follow along with me. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Okay, pause for just a moment. This passage is often read and reread um, in Christian circles, and it ought to be. It's a really important passage. What I want to caution at the beginning is not to idealize or idolize this particular Christian community. Here's what happens. Sometimes the good life is sold to us as this. Come and have the good life. Have a meal like this. When the reality looks something more like this. Now, what's going on in this picture that you're witnessing right now is that sand is in the chip bag, and not just from the wind that's blowing incessantly. It's because people are reaching in with sandy hands. Um, The papers that are being used for people to try and lead the music or teach a a little lesson are blowing all over the place. Um, Smoke is getting in your eyes in this picture. The uh, place that you're sitting is either cold sand or a hard uh, log. Um, And you know what's happening in this picture? We are enjoying the good life. We're enjoying the good life right here in this picture. I actually really struggled to find our title picture this morning because if you type in casual family dinner, backyard barbecue, whatever, it is so staged. It's all models, you know, posing like they're doing a real. Fa- I'm, I'm like, I just want a normal family picture. Like none of this looks at all like my family picture. Now, are there moments where it looks like the first picture? Yeah. But it takes a lot of work to do that, and then after just a short period of time, it looks like reality. This is how it looks most of the time. Here's what I want to say at the start of thinking about Christian community, is that we, not miss the, is that we don't let the ideal keep us from engaging in the real, right? So that we don't say, well, it doesn't look like how I envisioned it, and so I'll wait for that to come along. It's easy to take Acts chapter two, verses forty-two and forty-seven, and put it up on some pedestal and say that's the kind of place I'm waiting for to, to kind of show up and, and and idealize or even idolize that type of situation. I think it's true that we're prone to love the idea of community more than work toward real community. It's easy to say, "Yeah, I subscribe to the good news of living in community." Can't we all just get along? Raise kind humans. I mean, there's all kinds of slogans that we all go, "Yeah, we agree with all of that," um, but it's harder to to have the the real thing. I wanna I wanna show you back to heading. I wanna show you the word "simple" for a moment. Uh, the word "simple" is uh, in in neighborhood Bible church language um, is that we is that we major on the majors and not get distracted by all the different things that we could be doing. If you're doing an eye test, there's usually a giant letter you know, on the very top thing. And so it's like, it's like missing the giant E at the top of the, of the eye chart, right? Missing the most obvious thing. The most obvious things Jesus told us to do, and we're going to see this in the book of Acts, is do what we're doing right now. Gather together in large groups gather together in smaller groups those are the two major programs at this church by design we are not a program heavy church we don't have programs galore for every uh every person under the sun there's the word devote that we just looked at is that um is that they devoted themselves to some things devoting implies hard work devoting implies intentionality Unless you're Jesus Christ, you need accountability to the things you've devoted yourselves to. So as you think about what they devoted themselves to and then the results or the fruit of it, think about this idea that that this doesn't just come natural to us, which is the whole point. It comes supernatural. This is spirit-enabled work that we're doing. We can only devote ourselves to so much. Um, so if we don't put first things first, then, then, um, then the things that we ought to be doing, the most important things, will sort of get pushed and crowded out. They'll become sort of an, if I have time, I'll get around to it, instead of first things first. Now, there's an open book test, so let me have you look at your Bible, and I want you to come up with what are the four things that the, the early church devoted themselves to. Just kind of call it out. What did they devote themselves to? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Teaching. Okay. What else? Fellowship. fellowship. What else? Uh, I would put that in with, with teaching. Teaching, fellowship, prayer. What else? Breaking bread. Breaking bread. Eating. Okay. Good. We got it. Uh, we're on the same page. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, walk through the four things that they prioritized and then we're going to look sort of briefly at the end about what are the results of it? What are the, what are the fruit of it? So here's how, here's how um, I'm sort of phrasing it, but right from the scripture is that first all-cap word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? Um, so the Spirit powers you to share in the knowledge of God. Uh, the thing that changed my life the most at age 17 was when I began to read the Bible every single day with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Present in me that utterly changed my life. I was encouraged to read the bible I heard sermons from other people. My parents taught me the bible and we prayed the bible But my life changed When as a junior in high school, I walked forward on a sunday night Thinking i'd be bored to tears at another church service and finding my life utterly altered for god And reading the bible every single day for a year Changed my life such that I just never stopped It is the Holy Spirit inside of someone that causes you to have a hunger for God's Word. It is the Holy Spirit inside of someone that causes you to understand God's Word. Did you know that the Bible says you won't understand the Bible unless you have the Holy Spirit? You can't. You can understand an aspect of it, but these are spiritually discerned truths and realities. So here's what I want to say to you. Struggling Christian, doubting Christian, one who never feels like they read the Bible enough. Let me say this any inkling of hunger that you have for God's word is a work of God's spirit in you. Celebrate that. Anytime you have an aha moment where you're reading the Bible and you go, This makes so much sense. That can happen in a church service. That can happen in a Bible study. That can happen when someone's preaching the Bible on a podcast on your way to work. It can happen when you open the Bible and read it for yourself and go, this makes sense. I understand this. This is true. I've experienced this. I want this. I'm living this. Anytime that's happening, celebrate that as the Holy Spirit in you. Cooperate with this by devoting yourself to a steady diet of Bible reading, Bible intake. Uh, Healthy churches center worship on the Word, and they help people Not just hear the word preached and go, check, I've heard a sermon this week. But rather, apply it to their lives. Ellie alluded to the fact that we're called to make disciples. That's right from the mouth of Jesus, right? That we're to to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them, who? The new disciples, to observe all that I've commanded you. Every book of the Bible. Teach it all. In other words, learn how to apply it. Let me tell you one of the values that we go over regularly as a pastor and director team. This sits at the top of our agenda every single month. It's this, make it helpful, not just truthful. As we're talking about truth, as we're training up disciples, make it helpful, not just truthful. If you have spoken truth, you may be only 50% of the way there. You know how we learn this? We learn this from Jesus. Jesus taught in a way that was understood by the people he was talking to. If he was talking to Pharisees who supposedly knew their Bible and and Old Testament backward and forward, he would get into deep theology with them. If he was talking to common people, he would talk about a seed in the ground, yeast in bread. Remember that? He would talk about the sky in the east. He He would use illustrations in such a way that it would be helpful, not just truthful. If anyone could have done it, Jesus could have come and just barfed out truth and said, deal with it, figure it out on your own. He didn't do that. He actually withheld so much truth, often, so that it was in bite-sized bits that it would be helpful to us. Parents understand this. Grandparents understand this. Coaches understand this. We take people from where they are, and they say, what's well, a step forward in the right direction? Good job. Good job. So we make it helpful, not just truthful. Truthful. You know that on any given week, there are new Christians sitting in our church watching uh, our, our YouTube live stream? That's an exciting thing. There are new or baby Christians. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says this, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. There's a sweetness to a brand new Christian who's just reading things. I love conversations with people who are just reading through the Bible. And you don't ask them. I just asked someone yesterday. I said, where are you reading? I just assumed she was reading the Bible because she has a hunger for the Bible. So it's just fun to just hear, like, what are you reading? What's, what's new to you right now? And they're, and they're reading and going, it's hard to understand this. And I remember talking to one person. They're like, why did Jesus curse a fig tree? That's weird. I'm like, that is weird. Let's talk about it. Um, and so there's just like this, this hunger, like, oh, I just, want, I just want milk. By the way, moms, um, infants breastfeeding, right? Like, that's the picture. Um, is it always convenient to breastfeed your child? Say no. No. 3 a.m. anyone, right? Right. Um, but, but what does the mom do? The mom sacrifices, says, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll feed you. So at any, given, at any given week, there are brand new spiritual babies in our midst. On any given Sunday, there are people hungry for meat. There are people who are like, I've grown up in my faith. I'm facing a really challenging thing. I need, I need to get into the meat of the word. In Hebrews 5, you can turn there if you want. Uh, These are all jotted down in your notes, by the way, every week to make it helpful, not just truthful. There's little blue references to the scriptures I'm talking about here. It's a Bible study in and of itself. If you go back and sort of look at some of these surrounding verses, but Hebrews 5 14, the author is scolding them because they should have been teaching others by now, but instead they need milk. Who needs only milk? Babies. He's actually saying, grow up and eat solid food. But here's what he says in Hebrews 5.14. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, And of faith toward God. Here's why I'm bringing this up. On any given Sunday. Whoever is up here. Seeking to shepherd the flock. Here amongst us. We are preaching and teaching. To brand new babies. And to people who should be. Growing up in their faith. And to those who are grown up in their faith. And long for the meat of the word. So. If today. Today is not your favorite meal. If you go, Dave, that was just kind of a myth. It wasn't my favorite meal. Here's what I would say. Praise God. Praise God that you're here. Um, Maybe it's not your favorite meal because it went way above your head. If what is set up here is going way over your head and you're just like, man, you were talking about stuff that I have no idea. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around. Talk to me as well, but don't let it all come to me look around and ask for help. I did not understand what he was talking about. Did anyone understand that? And someone else might go, yeah, I understood that. And you can have a conversation. Now, if all of you can't find anyone who understands what I was talking about, probably I just struck out and you can come talk to me and we'll we'll reset next Sunday. Um, That's one thing. But how about this? What if you're sitting in here like, this is so below me this is below me. I need hunger. It's not in a prideful way. There's a prideful way of, of that. Like, Pastor, you're so below me. I'm like, I probably am. I deal with it. Um, like, get low with me. Like, let's get on our knees and figure this out. But if it's below you and you're like, I'm just, I'm, I'm in a situation, I'm hungering for something deeper or more. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take uh, the, the things you already know and understand so well. Look around for someone to help. Pass it on to someone. If you are in a community group, if you are in a community. That's everyone here. Look for someone to pass it on to. This can come up in the break room, can it? Hey, I was just learning in church this week that, that the Spirit is who empowers us to actually get along. Without, without the Holy Spirit in our life, we're actually helpless to, to get along with each other. Did you know that? You can do this, by the way, with an Uber driver. It doesn't take very long at all. I'm always writing a sermon in my head or listening to things or whatever. I just take what I'm thinking about, what I'm reading in the scripture, what I'm singing... And go, have you, have you tasted that the Lord is good? What do you think it means to taste and see that the Lord is good? Have you ever thought about that? Man, you'll get into crazy cool conversations. Sometimes just crazy conversations. They're not that cool. But, but just open your mouth and share. Um, all right, let me move on. Um, actually, let me not move on. Uh, devote yourself to what is being taught. Devote yourself to the teaching. Let me just say a quick word about what that looks like. Sundays are a starting point. On the back of your handout every single week are community group questions. The, the normal pattern of neighborhood Bible church members is that you would attend and gather on Sunday mornings and that we would meet at some point midweek in a community group. What Matt was talking about on Sunday nights is that in his living room, young adults gather as a community group to discuss and work into their life What's being taught from the scripture we use kind of a college level like lecture lab format So we hear a lecture on it, but then we have lab we sort of get our hands on it and go. Okay Let's talk about what what does this actually look like? What does this mean? That's just the starting point though that starting point should lead to, often leads to, does lead to, can lead to further conversation, deeper relationships. Hey, can you take a walk with me? I don't know how to apply this in the very most important relationship on the planet to me, which is my spouse. I am bankrupt from what is being talked about here, of this happening in our very home. I know that's wrong. I want help. Would you, would you walk with me and pray with me and help me in this? The truth is we all grow up in god as we help other people grow up in god That's by design God designed us for relationship and we grow as we help others Grow here's number two fellowship the spirit powers you to share in the family of god Uh, Oftentimes my family will hear this. You have heard me say this do the hard work of getting along Do the hard work of getting along My wife sometimes counters and says, it's actually not that hard. Just be kind to each other. Like, let's just be family. But it is hard, isn't it? Most everything good in life is uphill. You don't just naturally fall into these good things. You devote yourself to the fellowship. So what does it mean to do the hard work of getting along? Well, it takes some some effort and some intentionality. God's first and best greenhouse for growth is the home. This is by design. The home is where we are to learn um, to love in season and out of season. The home is where we are to learn to put other people's needs ahead of our own, even our younger sibling. The home is where we're to uh, learn how to enjoy family and work at love when it doesn't feel easy. That's how the home is intended to be. Fellowship is not cheap or easy. It's not just a given. Again, you don't just fall into fellowship you devote yourself to it. Part of the way we think about membership here is um, having the define the relationship uh, uh, conversation. When a guy and a girl are like dating and sort of hanging out, but sort of dating, and, and it's like at some point you go, hey, are we just friends? Or are we something more than friends? We seem to be going a lot out to eat just exclusively. Like what's happening here? Define the relationship. Same happens in a church people are here, they're hanging out, we're doing stuff, we're doing ministry, we're in community groups, and membership is, let's define the relationship. Let's see what's actually going on here. Are we committing to this or not? Let me tell you what I think is a negative trend. It's not, it's not new, but it's easier than ever with our smartphones. The negative trend is this, to pick and choose the best parts of each church in your area based on your needs um, in that moment of your life, and kind of just um, and kind of just going around to to those different churches. Now, I recognize that Neighborhood Bible Church is one local church um, that's that's a part of the Big C Church. We're all on the same team. I get that. And there have been times when people have said, "Hey." Um, I'm part of a Bible study fellowship BSF program at another church. Is that a problem? And I say, man, thank you for the wisdom and understanding to understand that might be something you should ask the pastor about. Go with my blessing. We don't have a BSF program here. We lean on that. We think that's great. But imagine, imagine you as a family member in my household that um, I never know if you're coming to dinner or not because what you're doing is you're texting with your friends going, what are you guys having for dinner? What are you guys having for dinner? And I might get to see you. You might bless me at my dinner table like once a week, right? Because we're having your favorite meal. But the rest of the time, you're off elsewhere, okay? How would that be for family dynamics, good or bad? Bad. What if the dad is doing that? Right? What if the pastor's doing that? What if I'm just picking and choosing and going, honestly, you guys don't laugh at my jokes very much, but down the street, they really get me. right? And so I just go preach there once in a while. There is a sense of devoting yourself to the fellowship and saying, this is my church. And guess what? If things aren't going here the way they should be, maybe God has you here to grow that up in your church. Speak up. Show up. Start saying, I, I, I long and hunger for this. I went to Urbana, and the way that we sang there, I know there's so much more available here. Don't say, well, we'll never get it here. I'm going to go find a church that really knows how to sing. Start invigorating our church with that kind of singing. I remember Urbana. I remember singing in about nine different languages and weeping. Because this was a picture of heaven. God, you're forming one new family of all the families on the nation. This is incredible. But it actually came and brought me here to say, like, oh, the more, man, I want this for our church. Thank you that we get this little slice of what's going on. Here's what I think. I think you rob yourself of growth and character development that God designed into family relationships. If you are picking and choosing and roaming about, you're robbing yourself of the very challenging thing of actually getting along with real people over the long haul. Fellowship is our common life in God, our love for and devotion to Jesus, our passion to walk in all purity. Listen to 1 John 1, 3, uh, or, or turn there if you like, but 1 John 1, 3 says something really interesting about our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. It says this, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, listen to this, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Did you catch it? That I don't want to just be in relationship with you because I want some friends. We are sharing in the good life so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed, our fellowship is with God the Father and Jesus Christ. One commentator said this and I agree with them. If people are out of fellowship with Christ, then they will be out of fellowship with the church. And... If people are out of fellowship with Jesus' people, that is the church, that is an indicator they may be out of fellowship with Jesus. That's how strong the church-Christ union is. If you want to come and have fellowship with me and be best friends with me, but you say, I cannot stand your wife, Dave, I'll tell you right now, we won't have fellowship. You can't be friends with me and hate my wife. Here's a common thing right now. I love Jesus, I just hate the church. I don't, I don't give myself to any institution whatsoever. That's a sinful, wicked perversion of what institutions are. I'm sorry that the church probably hurt you, and it probably did. Every church hurts people. But it's not an option to hate the bride of Jesus Christ and proclaim your love for Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus' spirit being in you will actually draw you and lead you to the church. A protege of Martin Luther, the guy who started the Reformation, said this, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. When we talk about fellowship, we talked last week about closed-handed, open-handed issues. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. Give freedom to one another to see it differently. But in all things, charity. And that goes a long way to just um, thinking about how we should be getting along. Here's number three, the breaking of bread. The Spirit powers us to have a seat at the table. Never lose the wonder of being welcomed in by God. Not as a guest but his family, as a beloved forever son or daughter at the table with, with God. That's how we are welcomed in. One of the ways that we obey the, the one another's of Scripture is Romans 15, 7, which says this, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. God did not, Jesus Christ did not welcome us with a nice smile and a handshake and a free latte and say, here, have a seat. Glad to have you as a guest. Christ welcomed us as beloved sons and daughters. So the command is welcome one another in the same way that Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. Do you see why we need the Spirit's help in this? We do. We can't do that on our own. It's not totally clear from the text whether breaking bread is strictly communion. It sounds an awful lot like communion. Jesus, uh, at the Last Supper, broke the bread, right? That's a euphemism. That's like Christianese for communion. Or if it's just meals together. Let me show you how in this short text it's used both ways, okay? Okay. little biblical interpretation here for a second. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Could this mean strictly they devoted themselves to taking communion? Maybe. Could this mean exclusively they devoted themselves to taking meals together as a Christian family does, like having family meals? Maybe. Could it be both? Maybe. There's actually evidence that suggests the early church often celebrated communion in the context of a meal. Just the way Jesus actually did it. They were eating a meal together. They weren't having a side religious ceremony. Here's what I want to say with it. What does it mean to devote yourself then to the breaking of bread? Well, it means, uh, A, in simple obedience, we eat the Lord's Supper together. That we do what he says in simple obedience, which is to do this in remembrance of me. How does that work out at Neighborhood Bible Church? At least on the third Sunday of the month, we celebrate communion as a church family. I say at least because many times throughout the year, we sprinkle it in at other times. I grew up at a church where we took communion every single Sunday. I think there's liberty for that and beauty in that. The key here is this that we keep the cost of the cross in the center of our lives and in the center of our worship. I'll tell you what communion does. If what I'm doing right here is right right now is preaching to the mind and preaching to the ears, there's a sense that communion preaches to your taste buds. It preaches to your stomach. It preaches to your senses as you break the little cracker, right? There's a sense that we participate in this together. Sometimes we think about baptism as the wedding day and communion as date night. We don't get baptized over and over and over again, just like we don't publicly say our vows in a wedding over and over and over again. But we don't just have our wedding vows and then let it be communion in a sense is date night where we just we're not dealing with other things we're just focused on our relationship with Christ on this love relationship we have. Jesus, you're the one who gives me the full life. I receive that from you today. And there's all kinds of beautiful instruction that goes on with communion that we sort of try to hit on uh, in different ways. We as a church will keep the cross of Christ and his forgiveness of our sins center in our lives. Here's number 4, the prayers. The spirit powers us to pray. God invites us into a conversation that never has to stop. Unlike every other conversation, pray without ceasing is what the Bible says, right? doesn't mean this without ceasing or else you wouldn't get much else done. But the conversation never has to end. The conversation oftentimes is just internal. But pray without ceasing is this idea that we just get to be in communion with God at all times. Isn't it true that our prayers grow and change as we do? One of the absolute beauties of raising children is hearing childlike prayers. Childlike prayers are beautiful. And and Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you won't even see the, 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 the kingdom of God. Children are thoroughly unconcerned with their theology. They pray things that are theologically incorrect. You know what I don't do? I don't go, time out, open the eyes, let's correct this. I don't do that. It doesn't matter that their theology might be a little bit off or it doesn't match with the Bible verse. They just pray what's in their heart. You know what else? They're thoroughly unconcerned with big, famous, like big, important sounding words. They just use everyday language. You can learn a lot by praying with your children and teaching them to pray. Some of you might be sitting here right now and here's the kind of prayer that is happening in your life right now. It's, it's desperation prayer desperation prayer also isn't that concerned with theology you're not trying to say back to god what's accurate you're crying out what's in your heart you know what's amazing about desperation prayer is it's passionate and purposeful there's no sense of duty to pat to desperation prayer well i ought to call out to god this is peter walking on the water and he starts to sink lord help save me that's desperation prayer he didn't go well i really should put some time in praying right now before i drown to death he just cries out that's desperation prayer. Some of you will look back on some of your hardest moments in your life with fondness. You know why? Because you needed God for each breath that you took. And there's a sweet communion. God moves close to the brokenhearted. He will not snuff out a little smoldering wick. He comes and he inflames it. And so there's times in desperation prayer you go, man, I wouldn't really wish what I went through on anyone, but I met with God. God met with me. God empowered me in those in that season like nothing else. I'm looking at people right now who are in that situation. I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because God's brought you through that. You look back on that with fondness. We can go on and on, but let me give you two more. Joyful prayer is a heart so filled with praise it just pours out of your mind and mouth. People are like ask you directions. You're like, isn't God good? You're like, why don't you give me the directions? I don't know. I just God's good. Don't you agree? Okay, let's talk about how good God is. I don't know. like it's just that's, that's what's forefront of your mind. And I love that. I love being around people like that. I love it when God just fills me with joyful prayer. Let me give you one more. Intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is praying for other people. I'm going to give you a little pro tip at the very end of just ways to work community in your life is to pray for other people. Pray for your leaders that you're frustrated with. Pray for your coworkers who are totally indifferent to your needs or your present. Pray for those who you love more than life itself. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your community group leaders. The early church prayed in so many different ways. Let me shift now to just wrap up with this. What are the results when we focus on these kinds of things? Okay, That's what we're going to look at. What are, what are the results of it? Verse 43. It says, And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together that's a big group And breaking bread in their homes, that's a small group, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Lots of different ways to word this. Let me offer up a couple of suggestions. Number one is mystery. A healthy church has things going on that can only be explained by God's presence and activity in in the lives of its members. And it comes and goes. There's no steady thing to this. We can't manipulate this. But awe on every soul. Many signs and wonders. I'll tell you the real miracle. All who believed had all things in common. There's a... um, Let me just move on. Um, Mystery. So be on the lookout... For mystery. I'll tell you a little thing God put on my heart um, this year, kind of a focus this year, is dream big and celebrate small. Dream big and celebrate small. Dream big means we have not because we ask not. God wants to do more than we can even ask or imagine in this church, in my life, in my family, in this community, at John Muir Middle School. We have not because we ask not. Dream big. But celebrate small means this. I just saw Robert... Take the first steps i've ever seen him take he learned to walk on on february 14th on valentine's day a little gift for mom and dad I just saw robert take the first like three steps of his life Should the lord allow us I might be watching uh, Robert as a teenager running around this church at youth group one day I can celebrate small I clap my hands because it's a big deal to take a small step dream big and celebrate small We have plenty of evidence in this church Of mystery and wonder going on, and loads of room for more. Let's have hearts, church, like let's lean in and say, God, we're hungry for more. Here's number two is generosity. The Spirit manifested himself when material goods are being sold and given away for other people to enjoy and use, because they have need of it more than that person is. This isn't communism, this is community. What's mine is mine and yours. It's not saying no one has the right to personal property. This is free will. This isn't mandated by the church. We're going to see this moving forward in Acts. What an amazing thing this is. I want you to know our own family has grown through adoption. We should never be able to afford the adoptions we've done, the international adoptions we have done, nor live in the house that we live in every single day of our life here in the Bay Area without the generosity of God's people just saying, we want you to be here. And every day I get to come and preach another sermon on Sunday, I praise God. I say, thank you for allowing me to serve in my home city, my wife's home city, where we grew up, where we love, where we're devoted to, and we get to be here against all odds on a single small church pastor's income. Thank you, Lord. But it's not just uh, money things that are given away. By the way, in this church, I've witnessed cars being given away. I've witnessed homes being given away. I've witnessed absolute generous sacrifice for people. And that's just in the material. How about in um, emotional energy and presence and tears and opening your heart? Share is the essence of God. They received it with glad and generous hearts. Here's another one, sensitivity. Verse 45 says, as any had need. Remember how I said community takes devotion? It takes devotion to see need, doesn't it? I'll tell you, there are some people in this room that I look up to. You are an inspiration to me at how you discover needs. You work at it. You listen carefully. You pay attention, and then you act on it. Sensitivity to the needs of others is a result of spirit-empowered community. You know what's easier? Hey, pastor, just tell me. If anyone needs anything, you tell me, okay? Now, that's not bad, But that puts a ton of work on pastor, right? What if pastor just gets to show up and hear reports all the time of people already being visited, already having a meal brought, already being prayed with? I love it when I show up to visit someone and I'm like the last to the party. We have such an active membership here. This happens all the time. A failing of small churches sometimes is due to the pastor thinking he needs to do it all, or the church thinking, well, you haven't really been visited unless the pastor comes. It doesn't count. Nonsense. The Bible teaches the priesthood of all believers. That means we're all paying attention and sensitive to the needs of others. And instead of discovering the need, putting the work on me to try and get someone else to help do the work, you just go, I see the need, I meet the need. I see the need, I meet the need. I see the need, it's bigger than me. I begin to work on gathering resources to meet the need. That's the picture of it. Let me say this. If you're not aware of any needs, slow down and listen. Introduce yourself to someone and have a conversation. Needs are abounding in any community all the time. I'm reading through a little devotional prayer book. I take one prayer per week and it has a little artwork next to it. A couple weeks ago, it said this, may my limitations be doorways to partnership and relationship rather than reasons to feel shame and isolation. Romans 15 says the strong have an obligation to meet the needs of the weak. Hear me really clearly, church. Every person in this room is strong in some area. You have an obligation in Christ to find the needs and meet the needs of those who are weak in that area. Every person in this room has huge weaknesses where you need other people. You have an obligation to humble yourself and receive the help from the body of Christ. I'll move on. By the way, how does this happen at NBC? Not just in community groups. But community groups are an incredible way to take the one another's of scripture, be devoted to one another, and not let it devolve into meaninglessness like, I just love everyone. No, you don't. If you love everyone, you love absolutely no one. That's a total cop-out saying. Be devoted to one another in love. How do you do that? Part of it is you form a community group and you say, once a week on my calendar, I'm going to show up and I'm going to minister to these people and be ministered to by these people. Not the end all, but a really good uh, starting place. Here's another one, consistency. Day by day, they were doing this. They met in big groups and small groups. The church is at least 3,120 3, people so far. Remember, there's 120 meeting in the room, 3,000 are added. That's, if my math is right, that's where it is. So the temple court, that's a great place to have a large group. But then they broke up into small groups, day by day, in homes. I've been at this long enough that I've seen many start and many fall away. One of the evidence of the spirit at work in your life is you just never fall away. You struggle, you doubt, you may wander, but you simply don't fall away. You keep at it. In our membership class, we have some different Cs. Like you have to be a Christian to be a member. You have to go through a class so you understand what membership is. I remember about three years into membership, I added a C. You know what it was? It was continue. The last C of membership is continue. You want to be a great family member? Keep showing up, even if the meals are kind of terrible for a while. I had to deal with freeze-dried milk for a season and carob chips. That's gross. That was the craze in the early 80s or something. But I just kept showing up because I'm part of the family. It means that the start is great, but the end is better. How about your wedding vows? Are the vows important? Totally. How about the next day? More important. How about 20 years from now, keeping those vows? That's the important thing. So continue. A manifestation of the Spirit is that it's continuing right now? There's a small uh, Christian college in Kentucky, and uh, people are calling it the Asbury Ashbury Revival. I love this aspect of it. I watched about ten minutes of one of their services, just kind of you can kind of watch in because the way we have, them. I'm waiting to pick up my daughter from school, and I'm just watching kind of what's going on. It's a chapel service that started almost two weeks ago and just hasn't stopped. People just aren't leaving, and what's fascinating is our text is showing up on CNN and Fox News and NBC. Go and just start looking at it. Everyone's got an opinion on what's going on. Some have spiritually discerned opinions about what's going on. Some are very clearly in the flesh and materialistic and not having a clue what's going on. Here's what I want to say. The theological seminary president of Asbury College named Timothy Tennant cautioned against calling the event a revival. This is one of the leaders of the school. Here's what he says. Instead preferring the term Asbury awakening. I think it is wise to see this at the current phase as an awakening, he wrote on a recent blog post. Only if we see lasting transformation which shakes the comfortable foundations of the church and truly brings us all to a new and deeper place, can we look back in hindsight and say, yes, this has been a revival. Here's what I want to highlight about that quote. Only if we see lasting transformation. What does Jesus do with holy huddles? Holy huddles are not bad. The disciples in the upper room are a holy huddle. He breaks them up and sends them out. I love that a worship service is going on for two weeks. Praise God for that. I love what I've seen of this so far. It began, like all true revivals have begun, it began with humble, public repentance of sin. God, we've sinned. I love this man's heart, though, to say only if we see lasting transformation. Finally, we see new converts. New converts are a result of this kind of a thing. How did God add to their number, by the way, day by day? He doesn't just go poof, 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 poof. He uses people. He adds their number day by day because people are sharing the good news. People are speaking up and out about what's going on in their life. Let me get Jonathan and Liz to come on up here. This is in your community group, so the instructions are there. If it gets confusing, you can call me. But we're talking about activate, right? That the church is made of regular people. How do we activate what's going on? Well, let me give you some thoughts. We're to train our mind, the scripture says. We're to set our mind on things above. We're to practice. So what if for the next seven days you do these two things? Number one is you sit with who you are. Sit with who you are every single day for seven days. What do I mean by that? I mean that you sit and you think, I am created by God. My gender was gifted to me by God. I am seen, I am known, I am provided for. I've been welcomed in not as a guest or a part-time resident, but as a permanent Forever child of God with an inheritance, with a new name, with spiritual birthday gifts. I have everything I need right now. My name is written in the book of life. That's what I mean by sit with who you are. Sit with who you are, but don't stop there. Number two is sit who you are with. So for me, here's how that looks I'm a husband, I'm a father. I'm a pastor. I'm a part of a community group. I'm a member of a church. I'm a servant with Foster the City. I'm a neighbor. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm an uncle. Sit with who you are with. Let the people that you are related to and in relationship with form into prayers of gratitude, form into prayers of intercession, of intercession, On their behalf, prayers for saying, God, how can I serve them today? Sit with who you are, sit with who you are with. We're going to wrap up our service with song and communion right now. If I can get the elders to come forward, we're going to do this a little bit different than how we typically do it. You're going to be handed your communion by one of your shepherd servant leaders up here. And if you can't make your way up for some reason, stay where you are. Uh, We will come and serve communion to you. Um, Peter, if you could just bring the house lights down. We're going to sing a song. You're going to make your way forward as we start to sing and receive communion from one of us. After you get your communion elements, go back to your seat and you can take it there. As we do this, we do this because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me remembering that this is my body broken for you. Remember, this is my blood that is given so you don't have to give your blood. Church, Jesus was bound and killed so that sinners could go free and live. That's what we celebrate. Celebrate your place at the table right now. God, thank you so much for your love for us. God, we do want to experience you in a moment-by-moment way. Lord, the atmosphere changes when we submit our hearts to you. The atmosphere changes not by some mystical thing we're looking for out in the room or back in Kentucky. The atmosphere changes when we submit ourselves to you. We open our eyes to the needs and joy and wonder of people around us. And we do what you say to do. We welcome them as you have welcomed us. God, give us that. Help us to yield with what you've already given. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, if you would, during this next song, um, if you're a believer, come and make your way forward. Receive the elements of communion and um, take it back to your seat.